0: Time for our Baseballer Viral Hit of the Week. And this one certainly went off across all of the socials on Twitter and and then carried over to Baseballer's Instagram. <laughs> Here's Jeff Fry saying, Thanks MLB for encouraging kids to act foolishly on a baseball field. I'm sure this young man has a bright future, but I played against his dad. It was a great hitter and I never saw him do this. That's Manny Ramirez. And that on with us right now is Jeff Fry, former big leaguer, current agent, eight years in the bigs. Jeff, great to have you on. How you doing, man?
1: I'm good, man. I appreciate you guys having me on here today.
0: Yeah, absolutely, dude. And I know you've been catching a lot of heat and you've had some people that have agreed with you, too. So why don't you explain your side of the story and why you think a clip like that from Manny Ramirez's kid, in your mind, is too much?
1: Well, I think a lot of it's too much. and it's uh, In my mind, it's been uh, kind of pushed by Major League Baseball with their Let the Kids Play initiative and it's trickled down now to the amateur levels and all the way down into little league. And it's uh, you know, I've always encouraged uh, parents to make sure their kids are having fun playing baseball because I know I had so much fun playing and it was never pushed down my throat. And so I encourage them to make sure their kids are having fun. Uh, but I do believe there's a, a certain level of respect that we should teach the kids. And it seems to me in my mind that major league baseball is pushing this initiative because the game became boring because of the analytics and you know the 3-2 outcomes so now we have to attract a younger audience and the only way to do it because the younger audience is so into social media is make it exciting and, and doing silly stuff and dancing and throwing bats and that's just uh, i'm an older guy so i just not the way i was raised
2: i I've, i'm with you too i understand i'm i'm the same kind of person too when i came up and now I'm coaching my nine-year-old son in baseball as well. Are, and you're coaching too, I assume, or no?
1: No, my boys are older, man. I coached them okay. in the league, but they're at you know I coached them for the entire entire time they were, you know, from like six or seven years old at coach pitch up through uh, uh, junior high and stuff. And then once uh, I realized that uh, they didn't think I knew what I was talking about, <laughs> I, I just kind of pushed them off and, and uh, you know let their their coaches coach them.
2: So my my biggest thing is so. Travel ball has changed totally, and as you can see, I mean, you, you see what's going on right now. It's, it's a lot of craziness. I'm enjoying it, don't get me wrong. I do see 9-year-olds, I see 10-year-olds, they're pimping home runs left and right. For me now, now the new guy seeing this new generation, I'm not necessarily upset about the fact about it. It's just something that is going on right now. Do I think they need to respect the game a little more? Of course. But how? my question to you, how would you do that for a young kid and explain to them, that's not the way. When you could tell them over and over and they're still probably going to do
1: it. Yeah, that's a problem, Todd, is is that, uh, you know, when I was growing up playing Little League and stuff like that, I watched Major League Baseball all the time. And I was, uh, you know, emulate what I see the guys on TV doing. Those were my heroes. And now the, the young kids are seeing what their heroes are doing on TV. And, you know, it's the, the fake selfies. And they go in the dugout and they jump in a – a basket and they push them through there and they throw sunflower seeds where they spit water out of their mouth. And to me, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of like frat boy behavior. And as long as everybody's having fun and goofing off, it's okay. And I think that's probably where the, that's the root of the problem. And I love little kids having fun. I, I go talk to kids all the time, man. I just did a camp I went to Georgia and did a two day tryout uh, for Joey Hamilton, my old teammates uh, organization. You might know Joey from the Reds, but, uh, you know, we just had such a great time, and the kids were having fun, and, and I talked to the parents on the side about keeping it fun for the kids. But I also think that these kids should have some accountability and, and you know, learn the, to play the game because they love the game, not because of the other stuff that seems like everybody's being attracted to.
2: So I'm going to be a fan right here on social media. You put that post up. My question underneath, just pretend I'm some some just random baseball fan why does this bother you so much? Like, why, why do you even care anymore since you don't play anymore? You know, if I'm a fan right now asking that question.
1: Uh, it's not really that it bothers me so much. It's just that I think that we need to teach kids, um, you know, about respect. And I, I just I – see, I, I see a lot of kids – I spend a lot of time around kids. My my sons are in their 20s, uh, but I see a lot of the younger generation. It seems like they don't have respect for anybody or themselves. And – you know, I do a lot of work with a couple of retired Army colonels who are all about respect and accountability and the greatest teams on earth are in our Special Forces, and these guys work for these guys, and it's all about deflecting credit, um, accepting um, criticism, and everything is about the team, and everything I see now is about the individual.
3: Would you rather see, because you love baseball, I can hear it, I can see it in your posts, see it in your career, You have to choose one of the two, and we're not about sitting on the fence here. Would you rather see kids celebrate or baseball die if those are the only two choices?
1: Yeah, obviously, I don't want baseball to die, so I would have to defer to seeing kids celebrate. Um, You know, it's, uh, I know, Eric, I I know a little bit about all you guys. Uh, I know um, you guys all played in the big leagues a long time, and I know that uh, when we came up, we kind of had the veteran presence in the locker room that would set us straight about the things we, we were allowed to do, and we didn't really question it. And it was just kind of the way it was. And, you know, if some young guy came up, and was, uh, as usually happens, some maybe first-round draft picker, or a younger kid came up and, and seemed like he was a little uh, overexcitable and, and flipping his bat or showboating, that uh, a veteran would grab him and say, listen, that's, you're either going to get hurt or one of your teammates is going to get hurt by doing that. So stop it and, and just play the game like you're supposed to be played.
4: Um, yeah, quick question. Quick question from me. Um, you know, I agree. I agree with some of the, some of the things you said because I'm big on respect as well. But, you know, I have three little boys myself and they all see, like I say, Tatis. They see that those are the, the, the players they name and guys like that, the flipping bats and, you know, jumping up and down and doing all that. I think personally that, it's it's the game it's they have to bring that fun that energy to the game to to enjoy it more um I think baseball has been kind of stagnant for a little bit and I think that excitement and that fun that kids are showing now you know it's starting to draw more people towards the game so if like I say what would you tell your kids that's modeling guys like you say like a tatis and all the young players that's coming up that's doing the bat flips and the jumping and all the other stuff they uh doing the dugout
1: well that's a great question just uh and you know when my kids were young they didn't have this this social media stuff so Uh it's a different world i understand that completely and so i can't honestly tell you exactly how i would handle it i would just say that you know that the kid on the other team that's pitching you know he's pretty disappointed probably because you just hit a home run off him, and he already feels bad enough. So just put yourself in his shoes and think how you're going to feel if it's, you give up a home run and somebody acts that way when you're pitching.
3: All right, so where is the line? What is the line? Is it, is it Don Mattingly, the post <laughs> that you just posted? Or is it Lucas Ramirez on a walk-off homer for his travel team doing it just the same way his dad used to pimp stuff in the fifth, sixth inning of games.
1: Yeah, I don't know what the line is, Eric. And and, you know, in the tweet, I know everybody ran with the tweet. Who'd have thought it would would turn into something like this? Uh, Never my intention. Um, But, you know, what is the line? Obviously we all saw Manny Ramirez pimp home runs. I mean, he was one of the best right-handed hitters I'd ever seen uh, when he came up to the big leagues with the Indians. So, you know, I think the thing that people miss is that I never said I didn't see Manny Ramirez celebrate home runs. But I never saw Manny Ramirez stop 15 feet before home plate and dance all the way in. And that's something that I've seen now quite a few times where it's like a, it's like the uh, the college kids, you know, or high school kids, every time a kid hits a home run, then the whole team comes to home plate and starts dancing around. And, you know, that's what I said. So the tweet, you know, that went viral or whatever, uh, never said that I never saw Manny Ramirez celebrate.
0: Jeff, to help us out here on the celebration front, yeah, like, tell us, give us more, though, on on where you think it's okay and not okay for the sport. You know, for young players especially who want to have a little more fun and show their personality. Like, if I had a walk off home run, can I do my thing when I'm rounding home plate? You know, can I have, like, a little signature thing I do with the third base coach when I'm rounding? Can I do a little stutter step? Like... To me, we see, hey, we see a ton of that going on in the NFL. The guys celebrate after they do something big. They did a lot to get to that point. And you could say the same thing about a kid who's working hard every day. It's not like, in my mind, he's not hurting anyone's feelings. Like, if I'm the pitcher and I give up that homer and you're you're pissed off that somebody took an extra millisecond to celebrate something, I'm like, Who cares? Pitch better, and then when you strike a dude out, you can pump your fist and go nuts and scream at the guy and do whatever you know from the mound, which we've seen for years too.
1: Yeah, I think we saw that two days ago with the Pirates when when Soto kind of stood and stared at at uh, his home run, and then Manny Machado was hit the next pitch. So not everybody uh, is willing to accept it. I guess if uh, you know the the pitcher you hit the home run off of doesn't mind you pimping it, and, and you don't mind him. Fist pumping or pounding his chest or screaming some obscenities at you, I guess it's cool. Uh, you know, to me the whole, maybe the worst thing is the uh, you know the, the stuffs going on in the dugouts with the costumes and stuff. And, and you know, to me, it would just I can't even imagine what my teammates would have done back in the day. Nolan Ryan and and some Roger Clemens, if, if you know, we put a cape on a guy after he did his job and a helmet on him like a viking and and you know he ran through the dugout and we threw sunflower seeds at him they just said what are you idiots doing i I know it's different i just it's just yeah yeah i'm trying to warm up that's why i i
2: don't mean to interrupt you i think it's fun man i think it's an absolute it's pretty cool for baseball you got guys getting swords dressed up after a home run i know it's different but i think it's it's making the game a lot better, man. And I, you know, from your standpoint, I get it—the old school way. But it's it's totally it totally changed the game in the better. But
0: wait, yeah, Jeff, you did say in the one tweet, "I played against his dad. who was a great hitter, and I never saw him do this."
1: I didn't see him. So I didn't see him dance. I didn't say I saw him. Oh, you didn't see him dance, what? Jeff? You got to be specific <laughs> on socials, <laughs> yeah, or <laughs> they'll <laughs> get after <laughs> you. <laughs> I'm Apparently. telling you, man. We you know, do a show guess- every
0: day for hours. <laughs> we, if we don't clarify. The place goes off, so that's that's why I'm glad to bring you on, though. Okay, so it's specifically on the dancing, that's fine. That's that's I think what you need to
1: tell the world. Well, I left that up for people's interpretation, and obviously they ran <laughs> away. it and said, and said <laughs> "Of course they and then said that, and, and said that uh, you know they started posting stuff about Manny Ramirez and uh, pimping homers and stuff like that. And, and I understand it's different if you hit a walk off home run and win the game. That's a different situation than hitting a a solo home run when your team's losing 9-2 to two and stopping before first base and taking a fake selfie. To me, that's about you, and it's not about the team because your team's losing the game.
0: Fair. All right, good. I'm glad we talked this out, man. That's why we need words instead of social sometimes. <laughs> Jeff, great to have you on. Appreciate it. We'll have you on again when we have more time.
1: All right, I appreciate it, fellas. Y'all have a great day.
0: Cheers, man. You You too. Have a good one. Jeff Fry, former big leaguer agent, the whole deal. And you can see more on that clip too on Baseballer. And Baseballer's got the merch running. Uh, Kratzy's wearing the shirt. It's fire. Baseballer.com. Hey, let's get our next guest rolling right now. Al Avila, former GM of the Tigers, joining us back on FT Live. Al, great to see you. This is your time of year. This is when front offices shine. So what have you seen so far? What surprised you? And if you want to start with the Otani decision with the Angels, then we haven't talked to you since that's all gone down. Go right ahead. What's going on?
5: Well, I think last time I was on with you guys, I I mentioned that I felt that the uh, Angels were going to go for it, that they were going to keep Otani, uh, unless obviously something bad happened. And and actually, they've been uh, something good's happened because they've won a lot of games, uh, and they're on a good roll right now, just uh, beating the Tigers uh, in a doubleheader yesterday. So. Those are all good signs on the upwing. And so I think the trade that they just made in acquiring Diolito is really a positive one for them. So uh, I'm excited for the Angels. I
2: think they're in a good spot to make a, you know, a good run. Do you think, though, that was the right decision for me? I, I could have sworn they were going to get back an astronomical amount of guys, whatever it was. I think this was the time for them to trade him, knowing that he probably is not going to come back next year. I thought he would have got a boatload back. And it would have been just an unbelievable trade piece with prospects and everything else.
5: Well, you know, prospects are prospects and there's no guarantee on prospects. Um, and really on what they were going to get back is just speculation. I don't think it really got that far. Um, you got to give credit when a team is trying to win, they've been trying to win for a long time. Um, you know, and training, a guy like Otani would be, a, I, in my opinion, it could be devastating for a franchise uh, that's trying to win. And they've always had a good fan base. They've always had good support. It's one of the you know, better uh, markets in all of baseball. Uh, so there's no reason why they couldn't afford Otani. Um, all they have to do is make a few ex- you know, moves here and there to, to make it happen. And I think in this case, they're proving to Otani they're trying to win. They're going to make the team better this year. They're going to go for it, and not only this year but next year. So it gives them, I think, a little more uh, um, opportunity to 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 continue to to be able to sign Ohtani in the future. Um, Obviously, you know, Trout being out of the lineup is is not good for them. But I think he'll be back at some point. uh, You know, hopefully sometime in August. So I I think these are positive moves. You know, it's always a double-edged sword when, when you decide to sell. You know, and you're getting criticized for that. And, and you know, sometimes those prospects don't, don't always work out either. So, um, so if, for me, if a team is, is trying to
2: win um, and they have a legitimate shot, which they do, uh, it's always a good thing. Hey, but is that the GM and you talking a little bit, thinking that you might be able to sign him back? Because I just don't see him coming back either way. Well, you know, again,
5: you know, when you're up in the open market, anything can happen. Um, but if he likes it there and the team is winning uh, and they can get into a good playoff run and they get into the playoffs, it's a good place to play. Phil Hebb Phil is, a, is a great manager. I think, I think he's got a good relationship with Otani. Um, so there's a lot of positives. So there's no guarantee by any means, but at the very least, at the very least, okay, you're, you're telling your fan base, we're going for it, number one. Number two, we're going to try to keep this guy around if it's within our, our power. And number three, if we don't, okay, we're going to continue to be that type of a organization that is going to continue to build the win, to put in a winning product in the field. As a general manager, as a field manager, as a player, it's, say it's invested in that organization for long term. I'm going to feel good about it, as opposed to I'm going to rebuild or I'm going to retool and let's wait to next year or, you know, or God forbid, you know, five years from now. Those are, those are non-guarantees either. you know. So in baseball, there's nothing guaranteed other than guaranteed contracts. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
3: <laughs> and that, as a GM, you always want to give those out. You always want to give out the guaranteed <laughs> contracts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as, as a GM during this time of year, how much do you communicate what you're hearing and seeing to what is going on to give them a peek into what's going to happen to him or could happen to him.
5: Communication between the general manager and the player and and players and maybe even your manager, right? Yeah. Okay. You know, every GM and manager relationship is different, but uh, from my experience as a GM, as an assistant GM and other guys that I've known, the best way to operate as a general manager is to have a, a really good fluid communication with your, with your field manager. Um, and 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 put him up to speed on what's going on. You want his opinion. I remember back in the day, uh, even with Jim Leland, you know, Jim would tell would tell us, you know, what he what his thoughts were, and he might even say, "Hey, I, if we can get that guy, I'd love to have that guy." Or he might say, "Hey, I know about that guy. I've heard about him through my friends uh, in the game, and you know, we probably shouldn't be acquiring him that guy." So you always want your manager's opinion. You always want to keep your manager. You uh, know, abreast of what's going on. You know, everything within limits, obviously, because there's certain things that you may not want everybody to know, including your manager. But for the most part, that communication has to be constant, fluid, and and, and very positive. As far as for the players are concerned, you know, every situation is different. Um, I can go back to Verlander, who I had a very close personal relationship with, and even a guy like J.D. Martinez, and I would keep him abreast of what's going on um uh you know uh, basically sometimes day to day sometimes week to week and um and uh you know just keep them uh, you know it, it, when you get to the point where you know you're going to trade the player um it's best to be up honest and open with the, with that player now if you don't know that you're going to trade that player or a certain player then you really shouldn't go ahead and, and tell him anything because quite frankly you may not trade them um you only may trade a, the, the certain guy if the right, all the pieces fall in line. So why go ahead and, and mention something that probably won't happen or maybe won't happen? So it just depends on the circumstances and the players that, we're, that you're dealing with.
0: So let me present a real-life scenario. Justin Verlander is hitting his stride now after being injured to start the season a little bit up and down. Now he's looking topic. like baby. Yes, right? That's your guy. And he pitched really well the other day. Post-game, they asked him. He almost seemed like, I don't want to say pissed off, but like, hey, I'm staying here. I signed a multi-year deal. It's technically got next year, and there's an option that he can hit pretty easily to hit his innings. And really, it's a he's got two and a half years left with the Mets, okay? And he's got the no-trade class. And the media is just asking questions like they should. Now, we see reports surfacing this morning after David Robertson is dealt that Verlander could be dealt and there are some insiders feeling like it's happening. And I'm like, well, how is it happening? Verlander said he hasn't even spoken to the front office and he seemed publicly like he didn't want to go anywhere. You know, he's had the titles. He's got all the money I think he's liking life in New York. So what do you think is going to happen? And also if you want to play along and almost act as if you are the front office or ownership on the Mets side, what would your conversation be like with JV if you wanted to trade him because you could get a big package because this is a seller's market.
5: Well, first of all, if, if it's just rumors and, there, and there's really no truth to them, if I'm the general manager or the owner in this case, and, that, and, and ownership is different everywhere because there's some owners, as with the Mets, they're, they're, they're involved. Uh, you see them all the time. You hear them all the time. So in that case, the owner should, should speak to a player. Uh, not just the general manager, but there's a, there's other cases where the owner or, the owner is not that involved. He's not that boisterous. You don't see him out front. You know he they're more silent in the back. So in that case, really, there's no reason for no expectation for an owner to go out and talk to a player for the most part. Again, every situation is different. But I'm, if I'm the Mets, I'm the general manager, and these rumors are out there that 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 uh, Verlander's in the trade market, and I know that I'm not going to trade him at, at least the chances are remote. I'm going to, I'm going to go and tell hey, Justin, this is not true. We're not doing this. Okay. So what you're hearing is just pure rumor and uh, there's no likes to it. So you want to make sure you, 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 you relay that to the, to the, uh, to the player. Now, on the other hand, okay. Just like my other comment, just a few minutes ago, if there's a remote chance that there might be a trade possibility, because, you know, sometimes, you know, uh, it's hard to say no on, on the, on the right deal. Then, in that case, you probably don't want to tell Verlander, hey, I, I'm going to, you know, we're trying to trade. You. Because you, you're probably not really pushing a card. You're just kind of feeling things out and see where they fall. Uh, in the Mets case, like for me, um, if they're, I mean, they're trying to win every year. They're, they're spending all kinds of money. Um, I would think if they're going to try to win next year, it would be a good idea to keep Verlander around for one more year because he is – a bulldog. He's, I mean, he's, he's the best of the best. He's got pride. He's, you know, obviously he's a future hall of famer. He's one of those guys that wants to be in that world series, wants to be in the limelight, wants to be the guy, even though he's had a long career he's made a lot of money, he's got a lot of accolades. He's not just going to sit back and say, okay, I'm happy with that. He'll want, he'll want to continue. Um, to your point, I, he likes LA, or I'm going to say New York. And um, there's no reason, uh, you know, to trade him if you're trying to win. And, and he's one of the best players in baseball. So, but going, about, going back to it, if if there's a team out there all of a sudden makes a big, you know, push and offers you something it's hard to refuse. And at that point, you kind of have to regroup. But if I'm trying to win and I'm the Mets and I'm trying to show my fan base, okay, I'm keeping Verlander. I'm probably going to trade Scherzer or something to that effect.
2: So we just saw David Robertson get traded to the Marlins. They're pretty much their best closer uh, for two prospects. Uh, We don't know what they're going to do. They're young kids at 18 and 19 years old. Like you said, they are prospects, and I agree with you 100% totally on that. But my question to you is, how do you feel about trading within the division, especially to a team that, you know, could make a good run here in the Marlins? Uh,
5: Dave Robertson is not going to come back and, and, and bite the Mets in the butt at all. Uh, it's a great move for the Marlins for right now. They need him. He's a good pitcher. He's been pitching very well. Uh, and that's not going to hurt the Mets for next year. They pick up a couple of prospects. Uh, they can regroup and, and get another reliever for next year. David Robertson is not, even though he's a great uh, reliever and, and, and actually even you know, closes games and all, um, he's not he's not Verlander. He's not a starting pitcher. Um, it's, it's, it's two different animals here uh, that we're talking about. So, Ah, uh, one is a good trade for the Marlins and the Mets, um, and in my opinion, the Verlander would not be that that kind of trade.
2: But how about within the division? Were you ever opposed to that, or it, it doesn't matter you? I mean, Right now, the Mets aren't going to win, so it's just they're going to help the
5: Marlins out for the short term. I don't. In the long term, it's not going to hurt the Mets. So in, in this case, it, it's 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 not even a, a subject that you worry about. Understand. So you would, ne- you if would I, never even... If, see- I was th- if I was still trying to win this year and we had a chance, there's no way I'm going to help out the Marlins. But at this point, you know, we're, we're, there, are two, there are two separate worlds, you know.
3: They are not two separate worlds. But I think th- th- there's, never, there's never any thought about what about if these two prospects pan out and they come back and haunt us? Or as a GM, are you sa- thinking, that could be five years from now, I'm
5: not even going to be around? Believe me, there's there there's signs where you think, hey, these guys are so far away. If they I mean, when they're what when, when the further away a prospect is the tougher. I mean, the, the less chance of them making it. That's why you see these trades. There's a I mean, I, it's a rarity. You see a really top prospect that's in triple A or even double A get traded. It's usually rookie ball or a ball because. I can't tell you how many times you've seen guys have great years in rookie ball and a ball and they hit double A and they hit a wall and they can't get out of there. You know, uh, at the very most, sometimes they get to triple A. So that's kind of like the norm, you know? Uh, so when you're trading from your rookie level, a ball, it's, 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 it's it's really, a, it, it's, it's not that high of a risk. And, and to my point, you know, before also is, the the team that's making those trades, that's trading away those players, they know those players better than anybody, you know. And again, sometimes when you're trying to win, right now, and the Marlins have a good team, they get a good shot, uh, and and it's a young team. They're going to be good for a long time, uh, and they have good young
0: players. It's
5: again, it's it's not a it's not a high risk, in my opinion.
0: What you think the Orioles should do? This is one of the best teams in baseball right now. They are young. They're exciting. And their farm system is loaded with players that are very close to the big leagues. And we're seeing them call a prospect up like almost every week. Now, in the offseason, they needed starting pitching. They basically decided to skip that besides a veteran at the back end of the rotation in Kyle Gibson. Okay, now you're looking at them this year and the glaring weakness, statistical um glaring weakness for them is still starting pitching they're in like the 18th to 20th range i think in era they don't need up a ton of innings the back end of their bullpen has been awesome so again we're at the same conundrum for them at the trade deadline where i'm sure they were trying to save money in the offseason you pick up a guy you only have to spend money on his contract for the rest of the season don't you think if you're sitting in that front office right now you have to be super aggressive for a team also that was rebuilding, tanking, right, for six-ish years, now here they are. There are teams in the American League that are a little down right now, including teams in their own, de- like the A at least is good, right? But the Red Sox should be better in a couple of years. The Yankees are a little down right now. The you think this is the time for them to be shopping at the very high end of the market and not saying, you know, we've worked this hard to build this up and we don't want to trade anyone away. I'm like, you have so many prospects. So... To me, this is the team that I've got my microscope on more than anyone else. What do you feel about it?
5: I agree with you 100%. Um, they, like uh, like the Marlins, um, are an up-and-coming team. They're going to be good for, for a long time. They have a good farm system. And it all started even with the previous regime. Um, and now it's just gotten even better. So, um, to your point, yes, I you can make again. You can make a trade for a guy like Lorenzo with with uh, with the Tigers, okay, uh, and not give up huge, you know, your 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 best prospects. Um, and again, going back to you know, you're going to, to your lower levels and you're trying to you know be creative and rookie ball, A-ball type of guys and create a package that that's enticing to some to, to some teams that are still you know trying to add those kind of players uh, to their system. So there's opportunity for the for the Orioles for sure to make a solid trade in acquiring pitching. Meanwhile, I wouldn't go crazy um, and give up, you know, your top guys, you know, definitely not any of the, the major league guys. Um, and, if, and if you do uh, acquire a, an expensive pitcher, it, he's got to come with years, you know, of control. And then in that case, obviously, then um, it, it would benefit you at that point. So, but to your point, yes, uh, they should be aggressive. Uh, I, you know, the pitching is always expensive, either via trade or free agency. Um, They've been good at acquiring, uh, you know, signing players through the the draft. uh, And and now internationally, they've they've actually done a lot better in the last few years uh, where they didn't have anything at all before. Um, So they will continue to develop their own uh, pitching. uh, But meanwhile, just like every team, you're going to have to go out there and acquire some pitching to keep this up. And they should because they have a very good team with a legitimate chance to get into the playoffs and, and actually win. Um, yes, you know, not just trying to get into the playoffs. It's actually getting in there and then winning.
0: All right, so let's finish with your former ball club, the Tigers. They are one of those clear-cut sellers. And it's interesting. A lot of those relievers are pitching really well for them. So, you know, whether it's an Alex Lang or a Jason Foley, Tyler Holton name has popped up, even though a lot of them have control. Then there's Michael Lorenzen pitching really well, and Eduardo Rodriguez is very tricky because he's got that option where he pitched really well. Then he went down on the IL. I know there were a lot of issues last year, you know, off the field where he missed time. So, what do you think the Tigers are going to do? And then, especially specifically on Erod, do you think that it could be tough to deal him because you just never know. It's the same with Stroman. Like, what if he gets Hurt in the next month, and then stays into his contract for years. And a team like, say, the Orioles, has to now cover all that money.
5: Well, with Rodriguez, um, his contract is it's pretty friendly, uh, and he's pitched very well this year. I think the problems that he had last year, and I know those problems very well. I won't I won't talk about them. Uh, I am uh, I'm pretty sure that that's well over with at this point, point. Um, and so. And, and I know players still in that team and, and players that were on that team that are friends with, with him. So those issues with him are gone. Uh, uh, he's, he's having a good year. It's actually a very good contract uh, for his level of talent and his performance. So you're not overpaying as far as uh, salary-wise if he decides not to opt out. That's why I would be shocked. You know, as long as he doesn't get hurt this year, the rest of the way he continues to pitch the way he's been pitching. And particularly if he gets traded to a contending team and pitches in the playoffs, he's going to opt out. I, I would not. I mean, uh, I can't see it any other way, to tell you the truth. So, um, I, I I think a team that's acquiring him would look at acquire him, knowing or, or thinking, okay, we're gonna this is gonna be a rental because he we're, we're we're acquiring him because he's a good pitcher. He's gonna we feel he's gonna to continue to pitch well. He's healthy. Uh, you know, he's got, the guy's a horse, really. Uh, and and so I'm going at it as I'm, I'm getting a rental because I, I do believe he's going to opt out, which you should at this point if, if he continues to do that. Um, so that, that's that's my opinion on my brief.
0: I like it. Al, awesome to have the insight this time of year, especially. Enjoy the rest of this trade deadline. And you've been, you've been in the biz for a long time. So uh, we appreciate it. And we'll catch you again soon. All right. My pleasure, guys. Good luck.